Hello, my name is Nicholas McInerney. I'm a playwright and lecturer. Ten years ago, I came out. I had been married for nearly 20 years and had two daughters. It was both terrifying and exhilarating. I was about to set out on a journey from one world to another, where I was to reinvent myself or maybe to find out finally who I really was. I decided for the first time in my life to keep a diary. I wrote furiously, without censoring myself, straight from the heart. Ten years on, I want to invite you to come on that journey with me again. Each of these podcasts will include diary entries and a discussion all about our shared experiences coming out as gay and bisexual men, dads, husbands and partners. Of course, we understand that reliving the past can inevitably bring up conflicting feelings of distress and pain for children and former partners. This is clearly not our intention. We also understand that personal memories are often disputed. We take responsibility for any factual inaccuracies. Names have also been changed throughout. Despite all this, we hope and believe that Rainbow Dads makes an important contribution to a healing process of understanding and self-acceptance. And by sharing our lives, we hope to include yours. Thank you. It's all good when we're back popping. That's it, I'm sex, so good, bitch, chart topping. You've been to plenty corners of the world. Still the 18th of April, 2008. I told Judith that I am receiving a lot of negative messages at the moment of my failure as a husband, father, lover. Add to that issues of shame around self-acceptance of my homosexuality and eventually they will become too much. That will be my breaking point. What will happen then, I don't know. It was the point at which we both silently agreed to end the conversation. Perhaps it was too painful. Welcome back to Rainbow Dads. Um, uh, last time uh, we were talking about Daisyria, we were talking about uh, your experiences of the actual coming out process to partner, to wife, uh, whatever, uh, and how that went for you. And I'd like to start this week uh, by asking uh, you guys what you felt that that coming out would do and how you felt immediately afterwards. Did you have a view on how it might uh, work out? Did you have a view on how things might change, um, even in the short term or immediately? And what was your experience when you actually went through that process? And start with you on it. It's really hard to remember what my expectations were uh, nine years ago. Um, but for me, I think the the big thing was about wanting to step into not feeling I have to apologize for myself or hide or excuse myself. And uh, <laughs> I can remember the first time I went to the local gay club in Plymouth after this and I'd been there before but it was a feeling of I walked in without feeling I had to look around to see who was watching me and that sense of actually yeah I, I would use the word pride I mean yeah we bandy this around in, in, in the gay world so much but there was a sense of pride that I had that actually I, 
I'd done something. I'd, I'd stepped into something. I was something. going to say, you'd stepped out of the shadow into the yeah, light. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's really powerful. I think that, that really does strike a chord. You talked a little bit about expectation. I always felt by coming out... I would solve all my problems <laughs> that suddenly everything, the fairy godmother, whoever he, she, they was, would wave he, she, their magic wand and suddenly everything would be sorted out for my life. Of course, it's ridiculous. You just swap one set of issues for another. Did you feel in that process that you would solve problems or were you far more realistic than I clearly was? For me, my coming out wasn't strictly planned. Mm. It just suddenly happened one day in a conversation. And so in that way, you know, that, that also links to what expectations I had. So in a way, it's more about the fears that I had in coming out that had stopped me from doing that in the past. Um, the immediate aftermath was, it was a complete mixture. Mm -hmm. It was a complete mixture of that sense of inner pride that I had and the the gradual telling of that story to people and the different reactions coupled with actually the grim reality that what I had done was going to really complicate so many practical elements of my life. Yeah, there were lots of consequences now just rippling out yeah, from this, absolutely, this rock that absolutely. you chucked in the middle of a pond. Yeah. And really, in certain respects, in order to actually go through with the coming out process, you have to deny the reality of some of those consequences. Mm. You have to <clears throat> hide those consequences from, from yourself. Otherwise, maybe you wouldn't even do it. Mm. Yeah, it, it was, for me, it was really the sense that I'd reached that point where financial matters, the security of my house, the home, somehow I ha I, yeah, I, I'd reached that point where I, I'd acknowledged to myself that stepping into my own identity was actually more important and actually I had to be prepared to let go of things, no matter how hard and painful that might be for me and for other people, in order to rebuild something fresh and new. And I didn't know what that fresh and new would look like and how that would work out. It's very interesting because you talk about a letting go from the outside. People might say you're behaving very selfishly or actually not letting go. You're, you're, you're kind of drawing energy into yourself rather than letting go. What about you, Deep? How was it how was how did you did you feel that <clears throat> it was going to solve everything or you you know suddenly there'd be unicorns and mm. and and <laughs> so, so so certainly not interestingly um that was probably the start of all the problems uh, in the sense of having to um confront not just my fam my family but also my ex-wife's family because i talked about what you know our relationship being a relationship between two families coming together this was a case of two families now having to break apart, um, and that for me was quite a big challenge um, on one hand. On the other hand, I remember some being dragged off to gay clubs a few times um, and not being very comfortable, but that's not because um, you know I wasn't comfortable about the environment I was in, necessarily. It was more around the fact that actually, even as a, a straight guy, I really didn't really enjoy going to a place where it was really loud and you couldn't talk and um, mm. you know people are getting drunk and um, I don't get drunk and all these sorts of things so I much preferred a, a, you know going out with friends to a restaurant and to be so and there was all this the expectation that people had of me was that I would enjoy gay clubbing just because um, I you got came your gay out card, as a gay Kylie, person Kylie yeah. Minogue well I've always loved Kylie she was my well, first love of course club, we do she's but, a nation's sweetheart yeah but, uh, and I go to every concert she does do but you I so do, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but but you know but necessarily gay clubbing wasn't the yeah. the the thing for me. One of the most interesting and, and striking things I noticed when going into the sort of gay gay clubbing type of scene was it was the first time in my life I have a, a overtly experienced racism, um, okay. big time because I found that the LGBT community can be very uh, vociferously 
uh, racist, uh, but equally, because I'm a, a visible man of religion, uh, there's actually quite a lot of hostility towards my religion, almost as though I do not belong in that environment. Um, and that's not just in clubs. That's, I've also felt that in um, from LGBT people outside of sort of the LGBT scene. So for me, that was quite striking. That's really interesting. I'd like to come back to that, actually, because I think that is a really important subject. Uh, and it'd be interesting to hear more about that. But let, let's just talk about the... David, about the coming out. What did it solve for you? What was it going to solve for you, darling? What did it solve for you? <laughs> so there, there wasn't an expectation mm -hmm. because it happened, um, <clears throat> as I said before in a previous podcast, that it's, I sort of, my subconscious had set up this trap. So my yes. wife found yes. some images. Found you out. Found me out. Found some images that I downloaded. and Found you out, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as I said then, I think... Probably I was setting that up because I didn't hide this, you know, these things away thoroughly enough. So, but I had no expectation of what the outcome was going to be. But what I found was that it's like I can liken it to mourning. So you go into a period of grief, and on both sides, I think that's probably the case, although I don't want to speak. For for my wife but um, you go into this period of mourning and you you go through life in a state of uh, sort of not quite knowing what's going to happen next or what's coming next but you just um, you just go through uh, you know you do what you have to do um, and then I think you find a new normality uh, my wife and I didn't split up we stayed in the same family home mm -hmm. I was the main carer for my two sons, so uh, I was um, the house husband, if you like. So we stayed in the same family home, but we were separated, uh, and we lived more and more separate lives. So it was just a case of finding a new existence that worked for the family, and, it, and we always, on both sides, we always put the children first. So there was no expectation, but what I found was that we slipped into this new normality, but nothing really had changed because I was still trapped within a heterosexual, heteronormative lifestyle, if you like. Everybody else around us thought we were just carrying on in exactly the same way that we had been. So were there sometimes you, you kind of wake up and wonder, did I come out at all? Were there ever moments you thought, my goodness, it, I, I I'd certainly understand, and I there's a I have some of the same experience. But everything kind of carried on the same as yeah. before. Yeah. Yet there had been this sea change, yeah. and yet in many respects, you know, we were still my wife and I were still you know uh, looking after the children, yeah. going through daily activities. There were times I felt, do you know, is this a dream? Has this actually happened at all? Did you ever have that? I don't know that feeling? I consciously <clears throat> thought about it in those uh, terms. But I just knew that it would resolve itself eventually, uh, somehow, um, because obviously the, the boys would grow up, mm -hmm. they you know go off and do their own thing, university or whatever. Then my role as a house husband would sort of finish, so I would be able to leave the home or whatever. Yeah. I hadn't planned it out in any. So way. how many years? I mean, as you said the boys. How old were the boys when this happened? And how old? Presumably, we're talking about eighteen or nineteen. How many years would that have been? So my eldest was I think he was about 10 at the time right so my youngest was six right um, but so we're talking about a substantial amount of time a long time yeah, yeah a long time and I purposely didn't tell them why we had split because we were in the same home yeah uh, for all they knew life was carrying on as normal yeah. um, my wife then took the brave decision to leave the family home because she couldn't carry on in that situation. Yeah. She needed to build her own life, a new future. So she was able financially to move out and start a new life for herself. And even then, I don't think the boys knew why we were splitting up. I think they just took it as, because we were quite, we are a close family and we still do family things together. Um, it was just that mum and dad were living in separate homes right. now. So I didn't tell my boys until a couple of years ago. 
just before the summer holidays. Right. Um, and it was because I'd written a book um, called Gay Dad, um, which is the stories of other gay dads, uh, which mm-hmm. is where Deep and Nana and I have met. Um, so I knew I had to tell them in case they came across it. Yeah. Uh, so I picked my moment and told them then. Right. But until then, um, we carried on life as normal. Yeah. And I just always assumed that time would resolve things and it would work out for the for the better. Yes, yes. I mean, I I recognise a lot of my my own experience in what you're saying because I think after I came out with my wife, I we, I, I moved out of the marital bedroom. I moved up into the study, but in many respects, we still shared all those parenting responsibilities and life went on. Um, and um, I think in my mind, I'd sort of made an assumption that somehow, as I said, there would be some kind of fanfare trumpets and and, and all sorts of fabulous things, and somehow everything would be sorted. Um, but of course it wasn't. Um, but let's move on and talk a little bit about the gay scene. Deep has already alluded to that. Um, you know, coming out <clears throat> for me was an opportunity to go and explore the scene a bit. And also for me, it was a, a, a journey of sexual exploration. And I just wanted to get an idea from you guys of how coming out may have accelerated that, or maybe it was something that you were you you were already doing. See, I when I was married, I was monogamous for uh, 20 years, you know, and so it, 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 there was no kind of um, sort of desperate craving on my part. Um, and I sometimes think I'm quite unusual in that respect, because when I talk to other guys um, in a similar position, a lot of them had some kind of sexual contact during that time. And I just wanted to know what your experiences were and how the coming out process changed that, because it certainly changed it for me. How about you, Deep? Uh, so certainly from my perspective, um, I remember the first time um, I met um, another gay man um, and had a sexual re- relationship. Um, afterwards, I felt dirty. I felt bad. I didn't feel good. Um, and was this whilst you were whilst you were still married? No, so this was afterwards. Afterwards, so, yeah. so we after we'd separated, um, and it was. I think it was just a case of because being gay is deemed to be a bad thing. And that's been 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 growing up, and I think it was a case of trying to confront that, I guess. Um, Although uh, the sexual experience in itself was amazing, Um, the aftermath, I thought, um, didn't make me feel good, and I felt quite bad. So uh, that actually, uh, for a while, put me off having to have any sexual experience with other men, um, in a sense, and I probably wanted to connect more on an intellectual, emotional level rather than a sexual perspective. That was for me. For was for more more important at the time. Right, and has that changed? So, do you still feel that in terms um, of? So, so, it, so it's changed in the sense of I don't feel that um, sense of oh, it's a bad thing anymore because mm. I've managed to deal with that, and I think having had the opportunity to meet some wonderful people with who I've had some uh, really good friendships where we've connected on an intellectual. Um, emotional level um, and helped me through that journey of understanding and accepting me for who I am um, and accepting that I, uh, eventually having to come around to the terms that actually I'm bi- bisexual. Mm-hmm. I can be attracted to men and I can be attracted mm-hmm. to women and, and I can have relationships with either. It's okay. Um, so I've got to that point so I'm really happy with that so I don't really carry any of that burden around with me anymore. Um, and I just want to pursue this a wee bit. The bisexuality is really interesting. When you when you acknowledge your same-sex attraction for guys, did you for a while just pursue that um, uh, discreetly, discreetly, that's not the right word, uh, singly, or did you also at the same time have relationships with women? You know, was there a conscious decision to, let's, let's, if it was for me, you see, consciously, let's see what all this cock and bum stuff's around, about, you know, so I really wanted to explore that. And I just wondered how, how that worked for you. No, so I, I initially came out as gay to everybody. Um, and although I think in my head I knew I was bisexual, um, I, I did come out as gay. And I remember thinking, uh, particularly when I, I came out to my, my ex-wife, um, she said, well, that, it, it's okay um, uh, for you to um, be in a relationship with me and to carry on. And I didn't want to do that. So I, I think part of me 
made Misao's gay so that she thought there was no going back. So, so that there were, she would have to make a choice. Yeah. So she, yeah. so, so you know, because her, from her perspective, she wanted to stay with me. She said, "You're just doing this to, you're just saying this in order to uh, break this relationship up." And she really wouldn't accept my sexuality when I told her I was gay. So, so she, I, she so was willing I, to allow you to go off and play as long as you stayed with her. So she didn't want me to go off and play, but right. she said, we can sort it out and it's okay because I know you're just making this up because you're trying to end the relationship. And, and there was a, a, a reluctance for her to accept right. my sexuality. I think that's why I really wanted to hang on to the I'm definitely gay because it would mean that there's no going back to that relationship probably, which I didn't want anymore. It's kind of a definitive statement, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And then you can, exactly. I mean, you know, sexuality is fluid, you know. Um, you you know, I, I couldn't say I was 100%. I've got friends who think they're completely muggle, they're 100% gay on the mayors, whatever, you know, there's that, that scale. But I think most of us fluctuate on the scale. Um, how about you, Arnett? Because I think your experiences are different. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just listening to this question about bisexuality. Mm. And interestingly, I was having a, a conversation with my partner last night exactly around that point. And it's one of those things that I've been asked so many times about. But you, you had relationships with two women yeah, over mm. 30 years. You've got four children. How can you say you're gay? And, and, and I think my answer is at this point in my life, I identify as a gay man. Mm. When I walk into a room, I, I notice other men. I'm not noticing women that I think, oh, she's really hot and I want to go to bed with her. I might think, yeah, she's quite a beautiful woman, but I don't have any kind of feeling of desire for her, but I do have feelings of desire for men that I see. So so my answer is, yeah, at this point in my life, that's where I'm identifying. But I do acknowledge that you know, with both of the women that I had long substantive relationships there were things in both of those relationships that I was attracted to. And you know, it, it certainly wasn't a forced punishment to, to be in that relationships. And, and you know, there were moments when we had very good sex, I would say, in both of those relationships. So am I bisexual? Am I gay? In a sense, my answer is I don't, I don't care. This is where I am right yes. now, and, and it's like in this moment. So that that that's how I I, I answer that question. Yes. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, did you go out and explore the gay yeah. scene in terms of saunas, guys, cruising, things like that? Were yeah. those things that leather? You know, I, you know, I've very rarely been cruising outdoors. I have done it. It has been quite exciting. It's also been a massive disappointment. Um, but oftentimes the fantasy of that was more exciting than the reality. Saunas are different. They are, they, 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 kind of a, they are a safe space. It, it's, you know, but again, like you were talking about going to the gay scene, I approached all these things with a fair degree of, of anxiety and intimidation, probably like most people. You know, there's a famous sauna in here. Um, a Waterloo station that's named between you know between the eight times of five and seven. It's the married man hours when guys will go in and get a blowjob before they go back to their wives. You know that's so. There's a big, there's a big you know subculture out there. Was this something that you explored, or you know what are your feelings about that? So I mean I'll pick up on that point yeah. because I live in Plymouth. Now Plymouth isn't exactly the the mecca of the gay scene <laughs> in the UK. And and certainly at the point that I came out, actually, I would say attitudes were very adverse and it was quite a homophobic city. Things are shifting and changing. But for me, that exploration of saunas and the gay scene was something that I often did when I was away from home before I came out. Because in those places, I could be anonymous. Yeah. And it's like the holiday romance, isn't it? Yeah, you can go I, and have fantastic sex I didn't sex ever have to say somewhere. who I was. Yeah. I, I, I work in education. Yes. I have anxiety about how I'm perceived yes. and my, the, the, the sense of me being a role model in the work that I do. Yeah. I, I also have, you know, locked in my head, and, and I mentioned in a previous podcast about 
my childhood and abuse. And, you know, one of the things that I grappled with with that is, you know, I'll say it in terms of my own internalized homophobia mm. and the way that society related yeah, you know, certainly historically, and I think it still floats around in in some places. Links between oh, you're gay, you must be a paedophile, and that resonated for my experience. Um, and so, as a teacher, I, yeah, I was very nervous. And yes. so, going into you know secret places yeah. was a place where I could be anonymous. And when I came out. I didn't stop going to those places straight away, but they lost their attraction. Were for you worried? Were you worried that someone? I know it sounds it sounds it's like the profiling on uh, the social apps that have now swept over the, uh, um, uh, the the internet and the way in which we can access sexual hookups via the internet. Was there a part of you that was worried that you somebody might recognise you or absolutely? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And if you work in education, I think that's a yeah, real issue. Absolutely, real especially because <clears throat> you, you have to be of a certain age to, to have those apps, but actually yeah. we know children lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so that was always the worry that you know, either a you know, so, yeah, parent might see me or another child. Okay. Yeah, actually, one of the children that I might, you know, might be working in, you know, a 17-year-old in a school, yeah. might recognise my face. So that, that always worried me. But, but when I came out, the... Opportunity for me was in being able to to meet people and say, "Hey, this is who I am," and actually talk about my name and actually start having relationship. Mm -hmm. That was the the transformative bit for me. Okay, David, how about you? Would you have you been to saunas? Oh gosh, yes, you know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but it's very <laughs> difficult, isn't it, to talk about this in this situation? Because it feels very strange. We're four guys sitting around a table yeah, and having a polite discussion, and in my mind, I'm running all these sauna yeah. encounters, and you know, and it is—it's that disconnect. It's very interesting, and also because of who might be listening, who might listen yes, to this, course. and obviously, you know, of my course. sons may well listen to this one of day, course. and they do, don't yeah. want to hear about their well, nobody parents wants to hear about sex, parents life. sex life. But my hey, daughter. Because my wife and I, we again had a very good mm. sex life. My daughter complained that we were making too much noise, you know. <laughs> and there is that thing when you're, you know, when you're parents, you know, you have to tell your kids to get out of the bedroom. You know, at times the kids want to come in. Actually, and you're in the middle of, you're in the middle of having some great sex with your wife. Actually, I, we were very, my wife and I were very good at making that private space for ourselves. And they had to go and they had to stay out until we were done. Mm. And I do think that's incredibly important for a relationship. Mm. I really do. Mm. Anyway, I interrupted you, David. Yes, yeah, tell so, us more about So anyway, <laughs> so it, it is difficult. But, yeah. you know, I, I am going to talk about it. Um, while I was in my relationship with my wife, mm. married, um, my sexual encounters with men were, I saw them as alleviating a kind of a, an addiction, like a drug addiction. An addiction. And once I'd done the deed, I was fine. Scratching I could, an itch. It was like that. So yeah. I could go back to my normal heterosexual normative life and be perfectly fine. But that's quite a shameful way of viewing it, isn't it? Forgive me for leaping in there with a judgment, but that is, if you regard your own sexual desires as somehow um, uh, compulsive or addictive, it's, 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 yeah. it's really yeah. giving you quite a negative view of... You know, yeah, but that, that, that was exactly my feeling yeah. as well. I, mm. I would do it periodically because I there was this overwhelming need yeah. to do something. Yeah. And then that was it. Back to my normal yeah. life. Yeah. So, OK, guys, but be honest now. There is also something exciting about precisely that edge. Or at least there is oh, for me. Incredibly. It's like going out. I, yeah. Confession time here. I love having sex in, in public spaces. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Deep's nodding his head. No, 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 no. <laughs> but for me, it's part. It's a bit like but you with your your computer. There's an element that actually I do. I want somebody. I want somebody to see. I want someone to catch yeah, me. You yeah. know, and that I think yeah. there's an addic there's an addictive quality yeah. to that. Certainly. Yeah. So yes. But on. I think as Arnett said, uh, uh, you go through that period of saunas, cruising, whatever. Um, but as you get older, or as you get more comfortable with your sexuality, I'm not. So bothered about that now, I've yes. moved on to other things, more explorative things. 
um, you know, I'll go to clubs uh, and, um, you know, I'll go, I've done tantric massage so things. So fantastic. Anything that comes up, you know, I will try, basically. I'm quite happy to, you know, experiment and try these things. That's a huge, I think I'm so with you there. That's to be able to say that to yourself, to acknowledge that you have but, yes. certain fantasies but, around sex. And I think it's, leather, for example, and be able to say, actually, you know what, I'm going to try this. Yeah. It's a huge step forward, isn't it? It is. And it, and it is because I'm happy in myself that, yes, I'm a gay man. And, you know, I've you know these sexualities and these experiences are available so why not go and enjoy them and also you, you know i don't feel guilty about it i don't feel bad about yeah. it and, and you I get to meet some great guys as well yeah and you know. yeah exactly yeah. and it's not all about sex yes yes absolutely you know i think that's really important you do you do meet people and you have yeah. relationships other than sexual how um, are you when you let me let me twist it slightly safe sex is obviously a big issue mm -hmm. um, I, I volunteer for for switchboard and it's one of the things that we talk about a lot when people people ring up um, how brave or how adventurous did you feel that you could be sexually knowing and how you know I was in a situation where I was still feeling this sense of responsibility family etc sexual health and everything um, and uh, um, and so the safe sex was a hugely important part of my sexual encounters how and, and was that the same for you deep was that the same for you yeah certainly from from my perspective too um i wanted to be make uh, to be responsible to make sure that i was there for my kids mm. um so yes safe sex was a it's a complete um you know uh a thing for me and yeah non-negotiable non-negotiable yes. for me yes 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 i mean i I think that actually over the last three or four years, the situation has changed in the gay community with the rise of things like, um, obviously, issues around HIV. We all talk about HIV, but of course there are other, there are other STIs out there where, which are e equally uh, dangerous. But the HIV situation, for example, people who are diagnosed now uh, can expect to lead a normal life. PrEP has come onto the, come onto the, um, uh, the scene, and I noticed only a couple of days ago that they're expanding the amount of, they're doing a huge trial and it's just got a little bit bigger. So it's become, um, it's become a little bit more complicated, I think. And I think that encounters now can be more negotiated. How about you, Arnett? I was certainly very aware that that uh, cruisy sort of sauna experience was riddled with with health risks. Mm. And yeah, yeah, I, I will confess to having caught one or two infections so, so over the time. <laughs> and yeah, I, 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 I certainly knew where my, my local clinic was and yeah, learnt to to go and get myself checked yes. quite regularly. Fifty sixteen um, Street, if anyone's wants to know where it is in London. Yeah. <laughs> Derriford Hospital down in Plymouth. Uh, and yeah Actually, I, I will say I, I can remember the first time going yeah. to one of those clinics yeah. and, and the, the level of anxiety I had around that. And, and I just put it out there that the staff there were amazing and the level of uh, reassurance and confidence that they gave me uh, in, in that process yeah, was, was really good. So, yeah, I just put it out there. If you've never been, go because they're amazing. Um, and actually through that, I, I actually got some support for some counselling and some therapy at mm. the time as well, which, which also really helped me and was part of my, my confidence and courage to, to come out eventually when I did. But going back to that, yes, um, the, the, you know, those the sexual behaviours that I did, it, you know, it did have health risks and... As a result, I think a lot of the time I put myself in situations where I was a watcher rather than a doer. And I held back from mm -hmm. actually taking part in things. I got a thrill and a buzz mm -hmm. from being in places and seeing things happening. Yeah. But I, I, I know I held myself back. Yeah. Anybody else want to add to that? Uh, well, certainly mm. um, three of us grew up in the 80s with the with the uh, big AIDS scare. Yes. So I think that pushed me back into the closet, definitely. And, um, you know, I've always played safe, mm -hmm. always. Um, my brother also died from AIDS, um, which again, pushed me back into the closet. Okay. So that was a big, uh, 
a big thing for me. So was, was he gay? Um, I think he was bisexual. Right. Uh, I had no idea beforehand, um, and even when he was ill, seriously ill, and at uh, my mother's funeral, you can see photos of him, and he's you know clearly <laughs> there's something not quite right. right. Uh, very very ill. Um, we just assumed he worked in the dockyard at Portsmouth and we assumed he was coming into contact with uh, chemicals that were affecting his skin and right. that was why he'd lost so much weight and his teeth were dropping out and but he you know it wasn't it was AIDS um, and he died a few years after my mother passed away so that was pretty tough but um, but from my point of view it made it, it gave me another purpose to stay hidden and to stay safe because I was never going to end up like that. And I was not that gay man. I was not doing whatever it was that he was doing. So there was still a, 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 a you sort of associated that gain a certain type of gay man is associated with disease and death and all of that. Yeah. And that and that you could put yourself in a in, in a different category. Yeah. 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 Did we um, watch a lot of pornography, gentlemen? I watch more now. Yeah, I mean, I uh, myself and my husband, I mean, we have our favourite porn stars. <laughs> you know you're an old couple when you're sitting there going, <laughs> oh, I really like that Rocco Steele. <laughs> um, do, you, did you, do you watch a lot of pornography? Is it, is, is it? Yeah, but, and also, I'm, I, again, I'm worried about addiction. I've got this thing, I think, about right. addiction because watching too much, I think, is not healthy. Yeah. Um, uh, from all sorts of reasons, yeah. and um, so I do try and limit. Okay, myself. how do you how do you judge whether you're addicted to? Pornography? Well, I think if you yeah, for me, if I was watching every day, for sure, that would be a problem. For sure, um, and if it was you know hours and hours every day, that would be a problem. But I'm I imagining think. that guys in our situation, pornography is a real out is a real release and an outlet. You know, for a lot of people, it is their only kind of mm. sexual mm. outlet. How about you, Deep? So for me, uh, pornography, I guess, was really important from a perspective of trying to understand who I am and to be able to face the fact that actually I'm attracted to to men. Um, and uh, I, I suppose it was a, a sexual awakening thing for me rather than anything I'm interested in now. So I think this is really important, actually. Actually, I think it's a really good point. You know, I have a very good friend who um, thought he was gay and went to Amsterdam and bought a night with an escort to work it out. And in some respects, it seems to me that by watching pornography, that's another way of finding out. Is there anything more you'd like to say about that? I think that's a really important way of allowing people to kind of explore their own sexual feelings in a totally safe environment, of course. And, and it was also about trying to... And it's non-judgmental as well. Yeah, and, and also it's about sexual education in a sense as well, because when, when I was at school... Darling, we, you got a lesson we about your blow job off porn. It's, we were, all, <laughs> it's all completely unrealistic. <laughs> so, you know, so anything to do with sort of sexual education was always in a heterosexual yes. sense. Yeah. So, so, you know, you're not going to go and talk to your parents about about that, let alone go and talk to the, your parents mm. about um, you know being gay and and, yes. and the sexual acts mm. associated with with that. So from that perspective, it was educa educational for me as well to be able to understand all about. That's a really good point. I never really thought of it like that, and I do think it's a sort of you know it, it, that's a really interesting and relevant point. Can I ask about social apps? Can I ask about profile like sites? Sorry, I've nudged the uh, microphone. Uh, Scruff and Grinder and Tinder and then there's Gay Romeo and there's, there's all, it's, it's, it's an absolute, it's a jungle out there. And I think that social apps are, are changing the way in which we regard ourselves as sexual beings. Is this something that you use, do you do use at all? You know, what's your, what's your view on them? I, I certainly used them, um, and there was a period where I had lots, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's a wonderful way to meet people. It's a wonderful way to get into conversation yeah. with people. It's a terrible way to waste hours and hours and oh hours God. of Tell your time. Yeah. It really is. Oh, another uh, chest, another chest, another chest. Yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> Yeah, you have to be quite resilient in some way because people can be really, really cruel. 
And yeah. Especially as an older man. Yeah. And as an older man, you fall into two different worlds. Either, oh, my God, you know, why the fuck are you talking to me? Yeah, you're old and grey. <laughs> or, oh, wow, you're yeah. a really hot daddy. Hello, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, oh, my God, you must be such a stud. You've got kids. Yeah. Uh, and, yes. and, and people, and then... The bit that I always found really hard in those conversations is is when people start saying, "What do you like?" and "What do you want to do to me?" and yep. and and wanting to to pre-plan. You do realise that that is the sexual activity. Yeah. Lots of people say that, and that is their sex. And that's it. That yeah. is what that is what they're there for. Because as soon as you say, actually, why don't we just meet for a coffee and let's just see if we clicked, and then we'll see what happens. Oh. Buy or, or not even buy, they just delete, just gone, gone yeah. block. Um, so yeah, now now I don't. I'm in a relationship, and we both decided that we we didn't want to yeah, go down that sure. anymore. Um, and I'm actually quite happy. I don't miss it, yeah. and I have so much more time in my life. It's interesting the addictive <laughs> behaviour that David was talking about. I think is actually even more pronounced with 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 these social hookup sites yeah. perhaps mm. even more than pornography because there's the eternal mm. there's eternal optimism of the next hookup yeah. and, swipe, and it's swipe, a reward swipe. game you you can't help but hang on, i'm just going to open up uh, gaydar or grinder and see how many people have tried to message me yes. and if you open up and nobody's messaged you it's like the sense of total disappointment it's like facebook they they feed on your in, your, mm. your, in, your need for validation and your insecurity deep tell us a bit about the racism and the uh, 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 other stuff that you can deal with on uh, have to deal with on these apps um, so yeah so I've had people who have been openly racist to me wow. um, hostile to my faith um, um, and questioning why I am on this app or why I'm in this club or um, you know so it's 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 a vile world out there it, it's been quite difficult to try and understand how LGBT people who uh, quite often experience a lot of hostility um, and prejudice are able to then also go mm. go ahead and do that to mm. other people. Yep. Um, one of the things that seems to be quite prevalent that other people of faith in the LGBT world have told me is that the, uh, they experience it too. So it's not just people who are visible, but also people who might have inherent faith in them, but you can't see it, yeah. have said that when they've talked about their faith with other people who are LGBT, it's um, been dismissed and they've been pushed aside and, and told to get real. Uh, and well, it, I have a caveat here. Some people have had a very bad experience in faith communities. And I, th I think know. this is why exactly what I was going to And I think there's, to. there's there's good pr debate, and then there's dismissing someone's faith. Yeah. So th so there's so I think it comes down to the fact that many faiths have pushed people away and rejected people, and I think that that in itself has sort of left um, a scar with many people in the LGBT community. Uh, I suppose for many people, faith has been the excuse why they've been rejected from people they've loved. Yeah. Um, so, so I can understand and I get that. Uh, 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 but the only good thing is, the encouraging thing is that there are many people of faith who are LGBT who are now coming together to be able to share and form new communities that are coming to challenge not only faith communities rejecting them, but um, but also LGBT people accept, uh, rejecting people of faith. Yeah. So it's interesting how you uh, be, you know you get rejected in many different ways, and you just think, <laughs> actually, I quite like this now. <laughs> I'm getting quite good at this. <laughs> you know, responding to yeah. to hatred from yeah. all sides. But then equally, I focus more on the love uh, yeah. that I receive from lots of people too, rather than sitting wondering about all the people that might have hatred for me otherwise I'd never get up in the morning absolutely I mean I think there's one thing uh, social one thing gay gaydar which of course has kind of slipped by the wayside used to have a section of married men and mm. of course it was always extremely popular I think unfortunately the internet unfortunately or fortunately the internet uh, uh, social apps and hookup sites um, naturally parlay into a couple of masculine qualities one is we're, we are predatorial. We have a predatorial nature. We like to go out and hunt. And in a funny sort of way, a scruff or a grinder is like a jungle in which we're all going out to find a prey. And um, the second thing is that as men, we are, we are competitive. I think there's a competitive nature. And I think in the gay world, it can feel very competitive. 
you know, a bigger, you know, a bigger chest, you know, bigger cock, whatever. There is this assumption that things have to be bigger, and there's a sort of unnatural competition that that the the, 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 the these websites feed. Yeah. Does anyone else? I, I think to, it connects also into the you know, previous conversation around pornography, mm -hmm. because in pornography you have these. Uh, yeah, you, you're constantly fed that um, to be to be successful you have to be really buff. You've got to have a huge cock. You've got to have a really pert bum of a certain type of you know, shape and Bubble you've butt. got to be able to to pound your partner exactly. for for half an hour and. And, and and then that feeds into the conversations that you have on social apps. Absolutely. And 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 you find you know people wanting you to be able to say yeah yeah if if we meet up that that we can do this we can do this yeah. and it's just like I'm writing a script for a porn movie. It's a bit here. like turns out like an Argos catalogue of porn, isn't yeah. it? Something turns out with a checklist of all the things that they want to do. I think you're absolutely right, and I think what social apps have done is they've narrowed everything down to a certain masculine look mm. yeah yeah and 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 social apps act as a filtering service mm. and i think the other thing they do is which is both good and bad is that they prevent you from having a proper conversation with someone because you're always ever only uh, texting them and they're often saying and what are you going to do to me and yeah. what are you going to do then and it's like oh for heaven's sakes it, it's um, feeding stereotypes and it, yeah. it links into what Deep was saying in terms of religion, uh, race, it's, it's, it's yeah. all sorts of Body different size, categories yeah. and it's full of categories. I've, I've honestly never used them, honestly. Wow. Um, dating sites, um, but not the uh, grinder and gay dance. So, what I would call hookup sites. Yeah, never yeah. used them. Uh, and I, Ever I've, been tempted? Uh, no, strangely enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the, the problem with them is it perpetuates this falsehood that the outside world thinks the gay world is about mm -hmm. and what gay sex is about, um, uh, which it isn't in reality, yeah. as we all know. But I have to challenge that because when, you, when I hear you say that, I hear the outside world making a judgment about how we should be as sexual beings. And I no, think no, 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 I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not, not? Saying, I'm okay. not saying that. What I'm saying is that um, pornography and uh, these sites like Grindr or, or Tinder or whatever, um, the, per the perception in the outside world is that it's all about anal sex and it's all about big cocks and For blah, sure. blah, blah. And, and what you guys have been saying is that that is what these sites are about. So it does sort of have it a... It does perpetuate a certain a, type of... Yeah. Of, of, I would say of, of, it's, a, it's a big part of those sites. However, I'm sitting here thinking about some of my... You know, I've got some really good friendship connections with people that I've connected to mm. on those sites. Mm. And, and actually, in the end of the day, you know, with some of these people, never had any kind of sexual contact, but have, have actually just developed really good heartfelt conversations mm. with those people mm. and and certainly as somebody who doesn't live in, in, in a gay capital uh, it's a way for me to find people and mm. meet people and connect to people from around the world mm. um, and, and have conversations and so for me as a, you know, a critical part of me coming out and after coming out and working out who I was as a gay man, what I liked, what I didn't like, and actually just to be able to have conversations. I can have conversations with, with gay men from around the world and, and just explore, in a sense, you know, either my sexual fantasies or my emotional needs through those platforms in a way that I couldn't So do. you are having a kind of sexual relationship with someone. Yeah. 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 So let me ask you this question, uh, uh, moving on from um, uh, uh, heterosexual relationships. There used to be a saying when I came out on the scene, it was saying, you know, you meet someone, you fuck them, and then you become friends. Mm -hmm. I, I do believe that th there is a different view around sexual activity, recreational sex. It's something that we can enjoy. We can, just because I enjoy your body doesn't mean to say I want to have a relationship with you. And that is, that is, that is entirely non-judgmental. That's fine. Okay, I don't feel any shame about that. Um, uh, I do feel that I, again, I've had 
fuck buddies who become really good friends. Um, and I wondered if anybody had a comment on that. It feels easier for us, for gay guys, to move from that kind of notion of recreational sex in order into a friendship than it would be if we were in a straight relationship. Anyone want to comment on that? So, so I, I feel very differently. Um, for me, uh, sex is only part of a relationship. It's, um, and I, I certainly don't, um, I don't sort of get off on recreational sex. Mm -hmm. For me, it's not really a big thing. So I've managed to find a community. I mean, you've talked about things like Grindr and Scruff and all these other places. And, and I've talked about the clubbing scene in my experience, yeah. all of it, which I sort of reject. I'm not letting them reject me. I'm rejecting them. Um, and I've found other communities out there that are similar to me. There's people who want to uh, go, you know, there are uh, groups that want to go. Say, can you give, some ex give an example? Yeah, so like Meetup, for example, has yes, loads yes, of yes. LGBT yeah, yeah. groups yeah. on there where people have similar interests and they want to go off and go on walking groups out in the country or they want to be, join a singing group. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's so many different clubs out there where it's LGBT focus where you can actually go out and have non-sectionized um, uh, social activities with people who who don't want it just to be about sex yeah. because it's only one part of a relationship. Mm. Um, so for me, that's not the, the be on and end all about my sexuality. Unfortunately, mm. I want to have much more of a connection with people on different levels and different types of relationships with different people. Great. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So the reason you say did I never uh, go on to the you know the swiping apps. I think it's because I feared reject rejection. That's right. you know probably the main reason. And that's that, something that one we all have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Uh, but you know, I, as I said earlier, I I do and enjoy exploring other forums in which to have sex or to have sexual relations. And you mentioned people. the tantric yeah, work, which yeah. I've done some as well, yeah. and I think that's a fantastic yeah. opportunity yeah. to explore massage. Yeah. You know, male yeah. um, man-to-man contact, which, yeah. which is, has an emphasis more on the sensual than the sexual. Yeah. But also Excuse the me. uh, meetup groups and things, I think, are, are fantastic for meeting people. Um, yeah. So there's different there's different avenues and different areas you yeah. can explore. Um, you know, it's not just about one thing or another. As we said earlier, it's very fluid. I think. And it's important to stay fluid. So yeah, and just to, to open remember. yourself up to whatever. You know, yeah, whatever you my, feel is right. I saw my husband first on Out Everywhere, which was a, a Yeah, a that's not going anymore. Not going anymore. Yeah. I saw him, I thought he looked gorgeous, and I thought he would never take a look at me. And so, <laughs> now, now we've been married nearly five years. So, yeah. so yeah. I want to thank Arnett, Deep, and David for their complete and utter honesty uh, and sharing uh, their experiences and thoughts on this subject. And we look forward to uh, speaking to you all in the next podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks.